If you're in Brooklyn, it's staff or management. Thank you for listening and have a dope day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all of God's blessed and highly favored people doing today? Wonderful in Jesus' name, I'm sure. And if you're not doing wonderful today, because sometimes you can wake up and just not be, you know, just not be at your best, or not feeling like yourself, I pray that by the end of this show, you will begin to feel better from whatever is causing you discomfort. So, I'd like to say that if you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, 
Download our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone and the Google Play Store for Android. Now, also, if you want to listen to me while you're on the go, while you're riding on your commute, going to work, while you're sitting in the park, just enjoying the beautiful weather and the sights, you can go to my page once you download the mobile app. You can go to my page and check out What Would Kay Say, go into my archives, or for those of you who are a little more sophisticated, you can get me on Spotify, on Apple, and on all other podcast platforms. So, on Wednesday, February 22nd, Christians around the world mark the beginning of the season of Lent. Now, this is a 40-day liturgical event that represents 40 days that Jesus spent fasting in the wilderness. So, it's usually marked by a time of Christians to fast and reflect and give penance while preparing for the Resurrection Day which is on Easter Sunday, right? So Lent began on February 22nd, and it ends either on Thursday, April 6th, which is Maudie Thursday or Holy Thursday, or on Holy Saturday, April 8th, which is the day before Easter. So now the reason why there's two different dates, because it depends on what your faith what your denomination, what your umbrella that you worship under follows. And I say that because, you know, they have different, they have different times that they end, depending on, like I said, the sect that you follow. And I found it interesting that Lent doesn't include Sundays. So now when they're counting off the days for 40 days, they're, Subtracting Sundays out of the days. So, if you're following Lent, so I started thinking about this. I'm thinking, so if you're following Lent, you only have to fast, reflect, and give penance Monday through Saturday. Because Sunday is like a free day, of, like a free day for you. And it's worth noting that not all Christians participate in the practice of Lent. It's followed by Anglicans, Lutherans, Catholic, and some Protestant churches, not all. And it's interesting to note that it's not followed by evangelical Christians, Baptists, or non-denominational churches. But of course, In all of those that I just mentioned, it's an individual thing. It's up to you whether you want to follow Lent or not. So today's topic is Lent 
from the beginning. Because after I was reading this, because I, I, every now and then when things are like, oh, it's Ash Wednesday, oh, it's this, oh, it's that. I'm like, let me look up and see why are these people going so for this, for this particular. Let me look it up and see what the real story is. And for those of you who were in Trinidad and Tobago, jumping up for Carnival right before Ash Wednesday. And for those of you who were in New Orleans, jumping up and doing whatever you do down there right before Ash Wednesday. Those are the two days, the Tuesdays, which they call in New Orleans Fat Tuesday. And the reason why they called it Fat Tuesday is because the people were going on a fast. So what they would do is they would just stuff themselves with food so that they knew they were going to do this fast coming up for the next 40 days. But it's turned out that not only are people stuffing themselves with food anymore, it turns out that the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday, for those who follow Lent, they're stuffing themselves with a whole lot of stuff, whether it be food, booze, sex, because it, Lent also has a section in it, you know, for abstinence, you're supposed to you know, abstain from certain things, not just food, but just anything that would be considered or what you consider sinful. But let's go back to the beginning and see how it all really started. So I went to, of course, the Bible of Information, which is Encyclopedia Britannica. People now, the, today's kids are always, oh, Wikipedia, Wikipedia. Mm-mm. Before Wikipedia existed, there was the Encyclopedia Britannica, okay? That was the Bible of all information. So I looked back in there, and it said that in Western Christianity, Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, but in Eastern Orthodox churches, Lent begins the Monday before Ash Wednesday. So they don't observe, they don't observe Ash Wednesday in Eastern Orthodox churches. So in the early Christian church, the days between Lent and Easter varied. Sometimes it was 36 days. Sometimes it was 42 days. It depended on when they started. So in the 7th century, I guess they all got together and said, look, we need it to be 40 days because we wanted to follow what Jesus did in the wilderness. So in the 7th century, they added days to make up the 40 days associating to when, to associate it to when Jesus was in the wilderness. But they still always excluded Sundays. And I find that interesting because I don't recall in the Bible when Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, if he excluded Sundays. I, I, never, I didn't find that in there. So I thought that when he did 40 days, it was a straight 40 days all the way through. And I don't know why they exclude Sundays. I guess maybe because that's the day that they gather. So they figure, but you would figure if it's the day that you gather, that you would even do it even more because you would be in the company of one another. I don't know. It didn't go into detail as to why they excluded Sundays, but they excluded Sundays. So in Rome, 
In Rome, this is how they used to do it to the people. In Rome, the sinners were the sinners were to begin their repentance through public pen, penance on the first day of Lent. So that means that they had to prepare themselves to get ready for their their uh, restoration back into the fold. So they were sprinkled with ashes and they were dressed in sackcloth and they were supposed to stay apart from everyone else in the community until Holy Thursday when they were allowed again to rejoin the congregation. So I'm thinking, wait a minute. The sinners, as I'm saying, air quote, were sprinkled with ashes and dressed in sackcloth. And then they had to stay separated from everyone else until Holy Thursday. Well, that, now that time now they were separated from everybody else, they were supposed to be doing, you know, their fasting, their abstinence, and doing, you know, good deeds, charitable deeds around the community, I suppose, but they couldn't interact with the people. So um, I don't know how they did the good deeds unless they did it in the cover of night when people couldn't see them, but when they woke up, they knew they had done it. I don't know. But can you imagine? You want to make amends to the Lord and repent for some egregious act that you might have committed. And back then, anything could have been a sin with them. And then you had to do it publicly. That's the thing about it, too. Anybody that had on ashes and sackcloths, everybody knew that you were a sinner because it was it was visible because you were the only one dressed in sackcloth. You were the only one that has ashes sprinkled on you and you were the only one that had to stay away from everybody else. So everyone knew that you were a sinner. So now you weren't allowed to go around others while you were in the cleansing phase, because that's what the 40 days was. You know, you were cleansing yourself of everything that you had done bad. And when that time was up, which was usually the Thursday before Easter, then you were allowed to come together with the other parishioners. So if you think about it, there was no code or being politically correct back in the day, right? Because if we did that now, but here, here we go, they started noticing, I guess it was like, okay, so only certain people were covered with sackcloth and ashes. And I guess it was either, I don't know if it was that the heads of the churches knew that you had sinned, was it through confession that they knew you had to be put in sackcloth and ashes? Was it a volu- you know, was it a voluntary type of thing? You just came and said, "Dust me with ashes and I, I need to wear sackcloth because I'm a sinner." Did somebody rat you out and say they need to wear sackcloth and ashes because they're a sinner? I don't know how they determined who wore the sackcloth and who got the ashes. But between the 
8th century and the 10th century, they dropped the, that ritual. No longer was it just a particular few that wore the sackcloth and got the ashes. It was then that they decided to place ashes on everyone's head in the congregation. Hmm. So now everyone is a sinner, which would go according to the word, right? Romans 3, 22 to 26. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, I know that's a whole mouthful, and I was reading Romans 3, 22 to 26, and of course, always from the New King James Version, unless I say otherwise. Long story short, everybody's a sinner. The only way, the only way, that you are cleansed of your sins, that God has passed over the sins that were previously committed is through Jesus Christ. So when we read Romans, we see that is not by our abstinence. It's not by our fasting. It's not by our penance that gives us deliverance from our sins. Which justifies the whole thought of you don't get into heaven through your works. And it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross at Calvary. Now, when I say that, and when I make those statements, I'm not judging anyone that observes Lent. Don't take it as when I say those things that, oh, she's bashing Lent. Oh, she's saying, oh, you can't get into heaven if, you know, because you're following Lent. Is that what I'm saying is? And the reason why I'm saying this about Lent is because the new generation that's coming up that don't believe in Christ, that don't believe in God, they believe in the universe. We all know God created the universe. So they believe in the universe, that everything happens is due to nature and the universe. 
I don't want them to be misled. I want them to know that observing Lent doesn't release you from your obligation of believing in Christ and who God is. Right? So when you say universe, just say the creator, God. Because John 14, 6 tells us clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus said this. So I don't want anybody to think that, oh, okay, so if I give up, if I give up cursing for Lent, I give up cursing for Lent and I fast and I don't eat meat throughout the week. And I'm laughing, not because I like, let me make this clear. I'm not laughing at anyone who follows Lent. I'm not laughing at the practice of what other religious sects do pertaining to Lent. That's not what I'm laughing about. I'm laughing about because I've heard people say, I'm giving up cursing for Lent. Or, oh, I'm giving up this for Lent. Only to two months later that they're still they're still doing what they gave up. It's almost like a New Year's resolution. You know, I'm I'm gonna lose weight come the new year. I'm gonna go to the gym and exercise 30 minutes every day, and mm, that falls off really quick. The only time, and this is even with Lent, the only time that you're going to see a change is when it's genuine from your heart. When you're really doing it from the spirit within, just saying it or doing the ritualistic, let me just follow because this is what we do in my church, so I have to not eat, blah, 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 or I have to, blah, 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 blah. No, then that's just following rules and regulations. And that's what Jesus came to put an end to. No, unless you are seriously Seriously saying, okay, during this lentil period, right before we get into Resurrection Sunday, I want to do what Christ did. I want to present myself as an example, as a, you know, a symbol, God, yes, I am only relying on your word. I am going to abstain from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, all those things, because I want to be a better person going forward, not just for these 40 days, but from now on. But I'm going to take this time during Lent to start. And then I will be living my life in that manner from now on. But just to say, oh, I'm, I'm just giving it up for Lent. Oh, I'm giving up chewing gum for Lent. No. That's when it's not really making an impact. And I say, and I'm saying this because there's so many times that we do things just out of following because it's what tradition has shown us to do, but is our heart really in it? Is our heart really in it? And I guess it just goes along with everything else that we've been talking about from the beginning of the year, getting in alignment with God. 
if you're not going to really do it to get in alignment, then why bother? Because what is it, what is it really gaining you? Because when you're doing this, when they were doing this, they were doing it because they wanted it to bring out whatever was not of God to make them more like God. But now everything has become so watered down. So everybody says, oh, yes, let me go get my ashes. They haven't stepped foot in the Catholic church to, to do mass in how long, in how many days, but they'll line up to get ashes. Okay. So when people see others with ashes on their forehead, do they know that you're wearing the ashes because you're saying you're a sinner? Or do they think you're wearing the ashes because, oh, well, you know, I'm Catholic, so I have to go to mass today to get my ashes. Why are you really wearing ashes? Is your lifestyle or the way that you treat others representation of, okay, I got to get ashes on Wednesday? I mean, do you get ashes because you really think you're a sinner or do you get ashes because it's Ash Wednesday and that's what we do in the Catholic Church? I'm just asking. And I'm not asking for me because I don't need to know the answer. I don't need to know the answer for myself because I personally, I don't get ashes. But that doesn't mean that I'm not a sinner on some days. Right? The absence of ashes on your forehead does not mean that you're not a sinner. It just means that you're not Catholic or you're not Anglican or you're not, in some cases, Protestant. Or you might not be anything. You might not even think about God. So why would you think about getting ashes? All I'm saying is, if you're going to take the time to go into the church to get the ashes, think about why you're getting the ashes and think about everything that you need to be doing that's representing why you're doing the ashes. Is it going to follow through in everything that you do going forward in the rest of your life? Something to think about. And with that, I say it's time for us to take a music break. You have been listening to What Would Kay Say right here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like. That you love me like you say you do I've got years and years of striving When there was nothing left to prove Could it really be this simple? Your kindness changes everything it's like your grace is on a mission to tear down my religion. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. And in Op-Ed this week, let's see, in Op-Ed this week, I was going to keep it light because it is the last Sunday in February. It is the end of Black History Month. Oh, I do have something important to announce. They are having, they meaning there is a forum going to take place on February 28th that you can join and be a part of. Now, what the forum is going to talk about is navigating bias, how to advocate for your health. And when I saw this, it made me, it brought back to my remembrance of my incident with the eye doctor that you guys may recall from a couple of shows back. So this is the announcement that was made. To commemorate Black History Month, please join us, meaning the panel, on February 28th between the hours of 6.30 p.m. and 7.45 p.m. for a virtual panel discussion on how to engage with the healthcare system, including how to advocate for your care, how to ensure your provider is right for you, when to reach out for help, and how to get the best referrals. Now, I found this came to me in an email. I believe it was from Black News. I think it was either from Black News or it was from... AARP, they have a group called Sisters. I believe it might have came to me through Sisters, which is a division of information for black women within AARP. I think I got this from them because I get a lot of emails, but I think I got this from them. But I'm going to give you how to register if you're interested in being part of this discussion and or just to find out information for yourself on 
how to get what you need for yourself. Because, you know, there's always been a discussion about people of color not receiving adequate health care because they're just not paying attention to the things that we may need for our particular bodies and for our particular makeup. Yes, we all are human. Yes, we all have blood. Yes. But there are things specifically to people of color that don't affect people from other cultures, just like there's things that people in other cultures have to deal with that don't necessarily affect people of color. But in the healthcare system, most of the time, those issues aren't addressed, particularly to people of color, where everyone's just put under a blanket umbrella because the research hasn't been done. And the research that was done when they were doing research on African-Americans or people of color, they were doing research because they wanted to find out how certain diseases would react in the body. So, yeah, we became the guinea pigs for that, but we weren't, we weren't given the adequate attention being paid to us for other things that might affect us. Because in their mind back in the day, it didn't matter. It didn't matter if you got sick and you, you died of whatever disease you had. It didn't matter. If it didn't fall under the umbrella or under the scope that they were interested in saving, it didn't matter. But today, because we have more people of color in medicine, more people of color in research, you have more opportunities to find out the correct doctors, to find out how to talk to your caregiver, to let them know that you are aware that there are certain tests that you can take to find out any specific type of in, type of information that you may need for yourself. Or even better, better yet, just give me what I'm supposed to have under the blanket. Just If you're going to keep me in general, then give me what I'm supposed to have even in general where you do the blanket over everyone. Like I know there's some women that were saying that they weren't getting mammograms every year because their doctor said they didn't need them because they had a clear you know, a clear diagnosis of the when they did it initially, oh, they didn't have to come back for, I don't know what time of, I don't know how many times they told them, or their caregiver was giving them a hard time about even writing, writing the script so that they can go to the diagnostic centers and get mammograms. And that was the whole push for where they had the mobile buses going around doing free mammograms because the doctors didn't want to write the script so that their patients could go to regular diagnostic centers and have mammograms. So if you're not going to give me what's under the blanket, if you're not going to give me what everyone's getting, just general, all women are getting mammograms. If you're not doing that for me, if you want to hold, if you want to withhold that from me, which is something that I should be receiving, what else are you really withholding that is specifically you know, uh, that's specifically something that would really pertain to me. I have no clue because I'm still trying to fight what is the general, the general of what they're giving out. I, I can't get that. So how can I pay attention to the specific that might just only pertain to me and my situation? So going on panels like this, and this will be the first, I think I'm going to join because this will be the first time that I've 
actually, you know, listen. I know they have these panels a, a lot because they're trying to educate people on what they should be doing when it comes to their own health. It's important to go just to hear what people are saying. Because that's the only way you can know whether it's for you or not for you. Remember, it's all about choice. It's all about the choices that you make. But you can't make choices if you don't have choices presented to you. Right? So, it's going to take place February 28th, 6.30 to 7.45. And here's how to register. I'm going to put this up on my page. I'm going to put it up on my Facebook page, which of course is Inya Z. Edwards. And then I'm going to put it up on my Instagram page, which is WWK Say Today. So for those of you who don't follow me, follow me. For those of you who just want to get the information, you could do that too. But I'm going to put it up on both pages. And the address is to register. You have to register by email. And how you do it is you send your email address to D-E-I at summithealth.com. That's D-E-I at summithealth.com. Now you're going to send your name and your email address and then they're going to respond to you with a meeting link and they're also going to... um give you uh, an option where you can ask a question if you want. Because I've, I've sent in my, my name and my email address, and they did send me back an email. And I believe in the email, you get a link to go to the meeting, and then you can also submit a question if there are some concerns that you want to know specifically on, you know, how do you talk to your doctor? How do you bring up the subject of, well, I heard that my girlfriend got a test for whatever. And I was feeling the same things that she was feeling. I was wondering, am I able to also get that that test for whatever it might be? And it's not until when you make them aware that you're aware, it's harder for them to snow job you with, oh, that's not necessary. Or, oh, then if it's not necessary, then explain it to me why it's not. Why is it that? I'm feeling the same way she's feeling. We were talking about this and she told me she went to her doctor and her doctor did ABCD and they discovered EFG. So I want you to explain to me now, doctor, I'm saying I'm feeling the same way. I'm asking, can I have that test as well? Explain to me because you just told me I didn't need it. Explain to me why I don't need it and what makes my situation different from hers. Because yes, you, you are, we are, we all are individuals. And yes, our situations are different. But as we know with my story from the eye doctor, dilation comes with the eye exam. My eye insurance paid for that. But they wanted to push it off so that my medical insurance could pay for it. Only to know, that, only for me to find out when I came back that my medical was like, no, I'm not paying for that. Because that's not part of what they pay for. And then for them to want to charge me for something that I could have gotten when I was first there originally. So knowing all these things, you're able to speak up for yourself. So I think it's, I think if you have the time, if you're available between 630 and 745, 
on the 28th, which is Tuesday, because today is the 26th, Tuesday evening, if you're available, hop on this virtual discussion, which is going to have a panel, and they're really going to tell you how to get referrals, how to ensure that even the the healthcare provider that you're under, if it's right for you, because some of us take healthcare providers based on how much our copay is going to be, how much they're covering. Sometimes if they're not giving us within the whole scheme of what they say they cover, it might not be the best provider for you. So they're going to go into different things of that nature. And if that's a question that you may have, you send your email in with your name to the DEI at summithealth.com and you'll be able to ask that question. So I thought it was very important that I bring that up, especially since we're wrapping up Black History Month. And this would be something that goes on every day throughout the year, but because we're targeting certain certain times, you know, this is Black History Month. Like when I talked about Lent, yeah, we should all be thinking about getting ourselves together throughout the year. But if you want to start it during Lent, so be it. Start it during Lent. But I want to say as we wrap up this month in Black History, let us not forget that in learning history, be it American history, Black history, Hispanic history, Indigenous people's history, any history that you want to put when it's history, All history is told best by the ones who lived it on both sides. It's told best by the ones who lived it because that's where the details are. And when you tell the stories, it should be stories that, okay, there's history, there's some history that is general. Like, you know, we always have everything that's general, that everyone falls under that umbrella. But there are some stories, there are some parts in history that only pertains to your family. So even though your child might be learning about history in school, they're not learning about the history of your family. So if you have history, if you have stories that you need to pass down to your young people, tell them the stories. That's the only way they know. That's the only way they're going to understand. You can't keep relying on others to tell your story, right? And Jewish people do it all the time. In their, when they have their particular holidays, they are passing on the story of the Exodus, why they have Passover, why they do what they do. They tell the story behind everything that they do. I think all cultures should tell the story behind what it is that they do. And if you're not doing anything, that's okay. Don't do anything. But that still doesn't mean you shouldn't tell the story because let me tell you something. If you don't tell the story, the story is going to be forgotten. And when the story is forgotten, then it could be repeated. And also remember, when you're telling the story, don't tell it from the side of blame or even tell it from the side of shame. Like when you tell the story, you're not saying, oh, it's their fault because blah, 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 blah. Or you don't tell the story as, girl, we didn't tell that story because. No. When you're telling the story, you're telling it for understanding. Yeah, this is what happened, but it happened because this is the time that we were living in. This is the understanding that they have. But now that we understand better, or I hope we understand better, or by telling you this story, I I pray we will understand better. This is what's happening. 
then that's the way that you keep the history alive and you make sure that it's not repeated because any history that's not told is definitely going to be repeated. And that ends up ed. So our word of the month, of course, it's the last Sunday in February, and we still are in dedicated, devoted to a task or purpose, having single-minded loyalty or integrity. And our promise for this week is going to come from John 14, 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's from the word of the Lord. So with that, I say everyone have a wonderful Sunday. Here in the Northeast, we're supposed to get some snow on Monday. It waits all the way to the end of February, beginning of March. But hey, that's what they said, right? March usually comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb. Although you can't really tell now with the way the seasons change up and everything is up, down, up, down. Well, we're expecting some snow on Monday. If you get any snow, any heavy accumulation, be careful out there. If you have to shovel, be careful while you're walking because even the slightest bit of coating can make you slip and fall. Everybody have a blessed Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your week. And until I see you again next week, God willing, peace. Yo tengo gozo y alegría en la adversidad Una esperanza que me ofrece seguridad Tú eres mi ayudador, siempre estás aquí Amor, tu amor corre tras de mí.
Just a little love 